Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>Welcome to the Super Pod Hero Cast. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. Patreon bonus movie milestones. I'm Casey Ryan. And I'm Todd Panic. And we watched, and we watched The Beastmaster. Uh, or I stand as by, it's, or I stand as it's by called my, in the Oh, oh, go ahead. Ahead. oh yes, uh Matt, what is it called in uh In the Europe? Native Eagle? It's <laughs> <laughs> Why does he No. I'm not going to start here. <laughs> but I have things to say about the eagle. Eagly. Oh, listen. We wouldn't have Eagly if it weren't for Sherak. I feel like Sherak uh, <sighs> is the unsung hero of the uh, cinema uh, movie. Uh, a little ferret called... What was? It? Which one jumped in the fire at the end? Kodo. Kodo? Yeah. yeah. A little, little ferret named Kodo has a word. I mean, he's <laughs> definitely the unsung hero. Well, okay, that's fair. All right. So, so Casey, much unnecessary fucking death in this movie <laughs> made now, me so mad. Now, if you were alive at any point in the last 40 years, mm. uh, you've probably seen this either on HBO or on TBS. Uh, yes, HBO was called Hey, Beastmaster was on, and <laughs> TBS was uh, the Beastmaster show. S- or station. Station. Yeah. Station. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, 100%. Uh, uh, I think Dennis. I think that's a Dennis Miller joke. <laughs> I think. Is it? Yes. Oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I feel like this occupies a, occupies a place or occupied a place in kind of that rotational entertainment on cable that mm, uh, mm-hmm, It's a Wonderful mm-hmm. Life did. Right? Like, um, it's not and like I it was the in same public domain. Feelings about It's a Wonderful Life that I have about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, well, hold on. All right, let's... All right. Uh, Wait, before we start this episode, sure, sure. I do want to say... 
Yes, yes. I love you. You are one of my best <laughs> friends in the world. Yes. I fucking hated this film. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Well, I, let, And I sat down to watch it. I had a terrible reaction to it when you told me last Patreon you episode. You did. Yes. And I was like, all right. And then I started to watch it. I was like, oh, I've never actually like seen, seen this movie. I more remember the TV show. Oh, sure. Because, yes. Because there was also. a number of movies and then a series. TV series. Three, yep. Three movies and a TV series. Yep. And I, <laughs> yeah, nope. <laughs> uh, okay, this fucking film. Okay. <clears throat> oh man. Uh, so I, I do want to talk about this, but I feel like we've got something that'll make this process a little bit easier for you. I guess because since we are guys with beers talking about movies with capes. What are we drinking? This beer, like most of our beers, comes to us from our good friends at Branching Out Bottle Shop in Township 5 in the greater Syracuse, New York area. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it was surprisingly difficult to get the beer for this one. Now, clearly, you've got the whole Beastmaster element. Uh, there's sure. a lot of fantasy tropes. Um, and while there were a number of beers that had animal themes... Um, I the, the, I really didn't want just a generic animal. If I was going for one animal, I wanted it to be one of his animals. Um, so that narrowed the the uh, the choices a little bit. But there were no ferret themed. There were beers. surprisingly no ferret themed. Uh, also no panther themed and no eagle themed. Although there you are, could have gotten a tiger themed. We could have because he's a, a fucking tiger. He's a tiger. Been, yes, I saw spray painted black. Jesus, <laughs> poor thing. Um, but uh, in the end, our friends at Branching Out never disappoint. So if you no. have not been there, uh, you really need to. It, it is the finest beer selection you're going to find. So I um, ended up with a beer from a brewing a brewery that we've never sampled before, or at least mm. not on the podcast. This is Westbrook Brewing Company. They are out of uh, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Mm. Um, you know, sadly, not a whole lot to tell in terms of their story on either their Facebook page or their website. So... Don't have a whole lot to share there, but this beer is Four Claw, which is their Triple India Pale Ale. This is a hazy triple IPA, dry hopped with nine pounds per barrel of Azaka, Mosaic, El Dorado, and Citra hops. Um, I just this, saw the, a, the ABV on this son of a bitch. You Holy may notice shit. that I only brought you one of these and we're recording from our respective homes which is a good thing because this is a 10.5 percent alcohol by volume beer motherfucker wow so does your um, can on the side say it was inevitable it was inevitable yes it feels like there's a story there that no hey i don't know should be somewhere else agree and again disappointed what was this beer the brewery having a crab on it i have questions not a clue yeah mm. All right. Well, let's uh, let's see if this beer helps assuage your pain hmm. of this movie. I thought you were going to say assuage my opinion. I'm like, this, no, <laughs> not going to happen. Ooh, holy cow! This is hazy. They are not lying. Wow. I'm drinking this out of a frosted glass from being in the freezer, mm-hmm. and it's still <laughs> wow. Yeah. that is. All right. Uh, it, it is essentially it is opaque. You cannot see through the beer. <laughs> That's crazy. You. Okay, Holy man. All right. Well, well cheers. cheers. Oh. 
Wow. Now it's got a bite to it. Mmm. But it, it's good. I mean, you, you know, dangerously don't, sippable. Danger. You know, don't uh, don't just bow up on this beer casually, <laughs> right? Like this beer will kick your ass. But holy cow, that is delicious. Much like a giant black tiger. Don't don't bow up yeah. on that either. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We see what happens in this movie if you bow up on a black tiger. It's never going to work out for you. You become Carol Baskin's husband. So, <laughs> so bringing it back, bringing it back. So uh, now, clearly, you watched this movie only because I picked it, um, and that's Correct. okay. I get it. We've shared a number of times. Um, I am almost exactly ten years older than you. So right now, technically, you are eleven. That's correct. That's right. This only that for short, uh, only short for a few weeks. Spell, yeah. The where you are fifty one while I'm still forty. That's right. Um, but for me, this movie comes out when I'm eleven, which is also right around the time, just a little bit after I've discovered Dungeons Boobs. and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, well, that, uh, that too. Um, but you know, I really think um, pe- younger people today may not understand. You know. The Lord of the Rings movies certainly helped shape, you know, reshape opinions about fantasy movies as a genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a, you know, if you go back to this time period and you are a fan of fantasy or science fiction, you know, those are, I would argue, those are genres that even despite Star Wars' success are really kind of considered like crappy genres you know, you, well, this ain't doing any favors. <laughs> well, this was representative of the fantasy movies of the time. Now, mm. if you are a Dungeons and Dragons fan, and you have, you know, now this since this past summer, you have some experience in that realm. Pour one out for Baltar. R.I.P. Uh, you you can see how, like, if you're a Dungeons and Dragons fan, this is a D and D adventure, and you can yeah. I, it, yeah, this is there, a D&D adventure where the dungeon master is like, okay, oh, one more thing. Okay, oh, one more <laughs> And you're just like, I killed the bad guy. Why are we still, and now we got to, and then this, Because there's a bigger bad guy. He is there. Yeah, well, you know. Or eh. did they realize they had some budget left over and wanted to blow some shit up? Uh, it, it, you know, it uh, may axe his end. Does feel a little anticlimactic. It very much reminded me of uh, Jenner's death in um, The Walking Dead. No, no. Or uh, who's that? Jenner in oh, The Secret of Nim. Secret of Nim. Yeah, 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 yeah. I felt more when it, that death. <laughs> like <laughs> nobody went into that giant fire pit that was in front of them. It was Chekhov's fire pit, and not <laughs> one of those sons of bitches went into it. Well, Mayax does. No, he doesn't. Yes, yeah. That's how Mayax ends up dying. Kodo jumps on him. He gets stabbed, but that doesn't kill him. As he's about to, well, let's save it. As he's about to do a Jenner. Yeah, we'll we'll save it. Okay. Does he? Yeah. I'm not even writing a note. Okay. Okay. Or Um, just going, why? Why, Todd? Why? So (laughs) here's, so here's, and I got to frame this because I think you bring up a great point. Unlike last last season where we were doing the best and the worst, I'm not saying this represents the best of fantasy genre. No, this is this is something that you loved as a kid. That's fine. That's I have exactly no problem right. with that. I just <laughs> want to point out the things that I brought to the table. 
the you know. important movies in your life, great. This uh, now, interestingly, as I was watching this, uh, I, I I roped Jack into sitting down to watch it, and I and I said, "Look, this is a D and D movie, one hundred percent." He he got about fifteen minutes in, and he goes. <sighs> You know, when it got a little rapey, I was kind of done, and he left. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. I <laughs> yeah. want to spend a strong fifteen minutes on. <laughs> sure, sure. On the um, fact that that our hero first tries to trick the but maiden, not into not into sex, just a little. I mean, he pins her down. Uh, it's super gross. It's a. It was a different time. That's not okay. I agree Ugh. with you, um, but. The, the interesting thing happened actually after Jack left, because Aubrey sat down oh, no. almost right after I started this. She has shared casually that she'd seen this. I did not understand what an important movie this was for Aubrey. Oh. She saw this movie about as many times as I did. Now, first of all, uh, Mark Singer, who is wearing essentially a loincloth in some uh, bondage here, uh, he's wearing a leather hula skirt. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, um, she uh, he does it for her, so that she's working there. She also pointed out, um, and she will tell people this, and I specifically got her permission to share this. Um, Aubrey, the striking redhead, uh, that mm. is not her natural hair color. It has been her hair color since since she was a teenager or a preteen. As long as I've known her, yeah, yeah. Um, well, she is a redhead because of Tanya Roberts in this movie. She, no fucking way. She, uh, both. She was smitten with both Mark Singer and Tanya Roberts in this Listen, movie. Tanya Roberts is, as you call your wife, a stone cold fox in this film. One hundred percent. And I, I mean, would. It doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> surprise anyone that she goes on to be a Bond girl and a Charlie's Angel. That's right. That's right. That's, and the Playboy she's Centerfold. The, she's literally the only person yep. to do both. And oh, then she's really? Donna's oh, mom. Yeah, she's the <laughs> only Bond girl who's also a uh, Charlie's Angel. Uh, which makes sense why Donna is also a smoke show, because she comes by it honestly. And it's not yeah. her dad. <laughs> but, but what's so weird is if you remember the very first episode of that 70s show, the, there's something yep. about the shirt that uh, Midge, Midge, is that her character's name? I think, I think so, it, yeah. Is Midge. wearing like all the boys are looking at her boobs, and in my head, I'm like, well, just wait like I don't know 11 years, and you'll you'll see her, <laughs> you'll her see boobs in, yeah. That's right. in, in Beastmaster. You know, the swimming uh, also, we, we should point out that uh, Tanya Roberts, Tanya, yeah, Tanya uh, Roberts. has passed away. Yeah, RIP, that's sad. Uh, mm-hmm. she was a formative woman in my adolescence. The swimming scene in this movie occupies a similar space in my. Fond memories as Adrian Barbeau in Swamp Thing. And, man, it really bugs me that they're like, she's this tough warrior. And it looks like she was taught her fight stuff day of. Like, yeah. I wish that that would not fly in today's uh, Agree. Movies. Agree. Uh, like, think, it, think, think like Daisy Ridley. Like, sure. No, however but, you feel about the character Ray, Daisy Ridley's fighting in those movies is... Fantastic. Which, you know, because of the success of movies in fantasy and science fiction genre, those yeah. movies are now treated as mainstream movies. But the sure. reality is they weren't in the early 80s. And that's why we had so few options. I mean, there's another so movie. So what you're that, saying is Beastmaster crawled 
so Lord of the Rings could run? 100%. 100%. When we get into the movie, I want to talk about some of the tropes that show up in Dungeons & Dragons and role-playing games and other fantasy literature. Um, But let's step back for a second. So the, the Beastmaster takes its title and at least germ of an idea uh, by a novel of the same name, The Beastmaster, by Mm -hmm. Andre Norton, who is one of the grand mistresses of science fiction and fantasy. Um, She actually wrote the first fantasy novel that tied in Dungeons & Dragons called Hmm. um, Quag Keep, which I read as a uh, as a middle schooler, and again, in this era, at, you know, at that point, Dungeons and Dragons is, you know, ten years old ish, or actually mm-hmm. probably less, um, and and really kind of developing itself. It's when we still referred to it in secret. You know, we didn't, you know, you uh, you didn't ad- necessarily advertise the fact that you played Dungeons and Dragons. It was much more of this almost niche kind of subculture. Um, yeah, but. You know, once you get past the name and maybe the idea that this the hero has a bond with animals, that's about as far as it goes. And in fact, by the time the movie ends up uh, in this finished product, she asks to have her name removed uh, from the property. It essentially bears hmm. almost no similarity <laughs> to the original novel. I um, think. I think also, um, if this had been called Dar the Beastmaster. Uh-huh. I think that would like people hear the Beastmaster and they go, Ooh. you know, like I think it, like in a different way, the professional being called the professional. People are like, what does that mean? Like mm-hmm. Leon made worked better for mainstream audiences. That's got why it, got here it. in America it's called Leon. And so. Okay, I, I mean, again, I think you know. I, I mean, it's I not going to help. It's not going to help this movie, but it might. Have. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I, I don't think we can evaluate this movie against modern um, fantasy movies because it's just an entirely different uh, environment in which it's created. So this movie comes sure. out in '82. It is um, written by two men, again, and kind of inspired by the Beastmaster, but really looking mm-hmm. to um, to build on. Uh, these fantasy stories. Um, so the two men are Paul Pepperman, who goes on to write um, the rest of the the Beastmaster movies, um, but really mm-hmm. doesn't do much else. Um, and Don Coscarelli. Don Coscarelli also directs this movie and the sequels. Um, he also directed the Phantasm movie series, oh. which is a. <laughs> oh, I'm aware. You're aware. Okay, good. Oh, I'm All very right. aware. Um, he, he also wrote that, and directed. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there and actually, this next movie surprised me. I love this movie. Have you ever seen Bubba Hotep? Yes. So he wrote and directed yeah, that's Bubba a great Hotep. Movie. That's it, a great movie. It, it is a great movie. But if it, you've it, not it's, seen it's that, Bruce Campbell's don't watch it. Uh, Logan. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. That's good. That's good. Um. Um, so, jeez, oh, a bunch to unpack there. Yeah, yeah. So, same director directs Beastmaster, Beastmaster 2, the portal to Earth to save budget. I yep. can't remember what it's called. And then the third one, uh, Mark Singer is the only one who wants to be in these movies anymore, right? Like, Mark Singer is the Beastmaster in all three, right? He is. He, he doesn't mm. make the... So, in 99, there's a TV series, and he's not part of that. At all? They never had him do anything. I do not think so. Um, That's stupid. 
Uh, I'm, I, well, you take a look. I'll, I'll, I'll keep looking. You know, to be fair, at this point, I looked him up. Mark Singer's still alive. He's in his mid-70s. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, he clearly was a much older man. I, I mean, again, if you're a child of the... If you were born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s... Wait a minute. And then he wasn't a much older man. If he's 70 now, he was 30 when he made these films. Yeah, but then, but then he's... You know, close to fifty when the TV series comes out. I'm not saying he's the Beastmaster, but he could oh. be. Oh, l- listen, like, he should like, be like uh, Dean Kane. Keep showing up in uh, <sighs> Superman stuff, and you know, Chris Reeves had a a bit part on Smallville before right. his passing. Like they keep bringing the people that had played it in previous iterations. In, uh, spoiler for Wonder Woman, eighty four. Uh. Linda Carter shows up. Uh, okay, I take that back. I apologize. So he does show up in six episodes of the TV series, and it's but it's not till so the series runs ninety nine starts in ninety nine. He doesn't show up until looks like two thousand one. So two years in as a character named Dartanus. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I remember that there was a TV series. I didn't watch it. I viewed the TV series of the Beastmaster in the same way I viewed the TV series of Highlander. Like, oh, I love the original. I'm not interested in the TV series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now, did you... So, it came out in 83, so you would not have seen it in its original release, but did you ever see the original TV miniseries V? (sighs) Bits and pieces. I've never seen the whole thing. Is, Is Mark Singer in that? Yeah, he is the human. He's basically the human hero. He's the protagonist. Oh, he's the one who's like, oh, he, oh, that, yeah. He's the guy that's like, people are crazy. They're obviously here to yeah, enslave us. Yeah. I, I, and then he also who played it in the new one. Who played that part in the new one? Someone uh, of importance. I'll be honest with you. Didn't didn't watch the new one. Uh, uh, Monica, what's her face? Didn't didn't back her in? Yeah. yeah. I no no. It, she wasn't enough to get me to watch it. Uh, the new guy was, well, there, I see a few. So I see Morris Chestnut, Joel Gresh. Scott Wolf. Scott Wolf, Chad Decker, got Scott it. Scott Wolf, that's who, that's who is the guy that's like, you guys are crazy. Oh, Canada, Scott Wolf. <laughs> uh, which is interesting. Mark Singer's a Canadian, so I guess at least they kept it in the country. It's racist. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Hey, and I'm sorry, while we're on this Mark Singer tip, I just want to share this. Well, again, a I movie of the Mark 80s. Mark Singer's tip. Oh, just the tip. Uh, <laughs> he also starred in a movie that um, I loved. And I, again, yeah, I, I'm sure you've never seen it. Um, if You Could See What I Hear, did you ever never see even that? I've heard of it. So it's a wonderful movie. He plays a real life person. Um, let's see, I'm just looking for. Why is it not showing up here? If you could see what I hear. Um, he plays a real-life um, man who happens to be blind. Mm, I think he's mm. in... Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really good. Again, like if you had early HBO, so Mark Singer... Uh, yes. I'm sorry. The actor plays Tom Sullivan, the real-life person, which is a 1982 uh, biographical drama film about the blind musician Tom Sullivan. Um, yep. Oh, this is Sherry Belafonte's also in it, yeah. This is firing some HBO synapses yeah. in my brain. Yeah. Like, seeing the trailer for it, 
Yeah. Or maybe seeing a bit of the movie, I'm like, oh, this is boring because I was, it, you know, a kid. Uh, if you have a chance to watch it now, it's a really entertaining. I wonder I mean, if it's, it's on gotta HBO be heavily Max. fictionalized. Yeah. I'm gonna look right now. If you could see what I hear, is that what it's called? Yep. Oh, oh, oh no. So now listen, I might also be remembering this through through like this kind of adolescent uh, lens. So I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry for if you can see what I hear. Um, rece- under the reception section, I'm just going to read it right off the page. Oh, oh no. Boy. The film was critically panned. Roger Ebert pointed out that the film was intended to be, quote, inspirational and uplifting, end quote, and stated that Sullivan, quote, comes across in this movie like a refugee from Animal House. His idea of overcoming his handicap is to party all night, end quote. He and Gene Siskel selected the film as one of the worst of the year in a 1982 episode of Sneak Previews. (laughs) Listen, maybe it's, you know, the era in which I am becoming enchanted with storytelling and HBO. You know, we had HBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, I'm going to have to uh, I think it's very it telling. Out. It is not on HBO Max. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to seek it out. Where can I, I think they were like, no, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's also not, I don't think it's on HBO Max. It's Dream On. Uh, that doesn't, see, I don't, I don't feel any need to, I remember when that came out and I watched it and wondered why. Yeah, it is not uh, another thing that's not on here. Then that may be a, um, it might be a rights thing. Brian yeah. Ben Ben might hold the rights to that. And um, so if you want to watch the 1982 oh movie, if you could see what I hear, Amazon has it for sale as a used VHS tape costing $77.49. Todd, you go right ahead. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. (laughs) I'm I'm so good. (laughs) I don't need to do that. Okay. All right. I'll I'll let you know if I can track it down and uh, see what happens. Oh, that's really So back to Beastmaster. Yes, please. How how much... um, Oh, I got nothing else to say in the pre-ramble. How much, though... Let's do the budget, and then let's uh, talk about this some bitch. So, uh, 1982, and I've got the dollars here. So, this gets a box office of $9 million. Um, box office or budget? I'm sorry, a budget of $9 million, which oh, okay. to that point was the largest budget that Don Coscarelli, the writer-director, had ever had available to him. At the box office, it does $14 million. Okay, that's now, why we get a second one. The conversion factor is about 2.91, so that... $9 million budget becomes a $26 million budget today. The uh-huh. $14 million box office becomes a $41 million box office. So it's a, you know, it's a success. And to your point, you know, it's we get success. two sequels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then finally, the IMDb score for this movie. Ooh. I'm going to say it's in the uh, five range. So I, I think you're uh, you're discounting the cult factor of oh, this movie. Oh, it is a six point two. <laughs> okay, I'm not that far off. No, you're not that far off. Not that I didn't say five. It was in the five range. Now, um, I actually got some almost cast. Did you have anything in that space? That, I did. Not. Was Mark Singer almost uh, a Luke Skywalker? Was he one of the contenders oh, for Luke? I don't know. I mean, he certainly looks like a poor man's. Uh, 
Uh, Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. And I think yeah. he was, you know, the the fascinating thing. I think we've mentioned on the podcast before, but worth mentioning again. When you audition for a movie, you mm-hmm. are or a play or a musical or whatever, you are paired with different people for scenes for chemistry tests. Sure. By the time they got down to screen tests, mm-hmm. it was if Mark Hamill didn't get it, it would have been Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. They were a chunk group. Wait. Uh, Harrison Ford as Luke Skywalker? No, as Han Solo oh, okay, and Carrie okay. Fisher. Oh, they were the, those, they were the first two. Got it. Though no no, they were a package deal. And who like um oh. who's the guy? Uh, William Cat. William Cat was yep. with two other actors. And if William Cat or or that other oh. actor or the actor for Leia didn't work, all three would be gone. It was it was a because package. you're looking at that specific combination of. Performers. Wild. Yeah, that is wild. <laughs> like I'm like, that is wild. what the fuck, George? So these are some fascinating almost cast. Go for um, it. All right. So uh, let's see. Uh, Tanya Roberts plays the part of Kiri. Uh, Don mm-hmm. Coscarelli, the writer director, originally wanted Demi Moore, but the executive. Oh, I saw that. Yep. I forgot uh, about it. Yep. Now Mayax, played by mm-hmm. the delightful Rip Torn. Mm-hmm. Uh, who had a I like I feel like a late career resurgence with the Larry Sanders show, right with Gary Shandling. Yeah, well, um, and but the all, Men in Black movies also. And Men in Black. Oh, sure, and, sure. And Men Dodgeball. Black, Defending Your Life with Albert Brooks. And Dodgeball. And Dodgeball. Dodge yeah. a wrench. You can dodge a ball. Dodgeball. Um, uh, Max originally written for Klaus Kinski, but uh, they there was a salary dispute and they weren't able to get him. I don't know Klaus Kinski. Uh, yeah, you do. He's okay. I bet uh, you I do. But he's um, he's a foreign performer. He's a German. Yes, German actor. Uh, uh, let's see. He played leading parts in five films directed by Werner Herzog, Aguirre, the, the Wrath of God, the Wrath of God from 1972, Nosferatu, the Vampire from 1979, um, Fitzcarraldo, oh, wow. Verde. Yeah, he he's um. I mean, when does his his Klaus Kinski is uh, his feature film start in 1948? Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, uh, he's an incredibly prolific. If, if you, I bet you, if I saw a picture, I'd go, you, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking to see if there's any um, any of his recent thing. I mean, he kind of pretty much slows down after the 80s. Um, I mean, he's a He's a foreign actor, and I think you'd I think you'd recognize him. But okay, um, uh, so that was the original idea for Max, um, and I thought I saw one more. Mm, or maybe it was maybe that was it. Okay, so it was those two. I enjoy Max because it is much like uh, I'll tell you in a second the almost cast for Luke Skywalker, uh, Luke's evil clone from the expanded universe that was literally just spelled L U U K E. Yeah. So it's like, so unless you're reading it, you don't know it's this Luke. It's what Luke. He's say, Luke. Um, <laughs> what this says was, uh, who auditioned for the other three people that auditioned for Luke Skywalker were Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. He also auditioned for Han Solo huh. in a different group. Uh, I have seen the screen test, or uh, I've seen a screen test for him in the. I think it's the when he shoots Greedo. Uh, yeah, that was, yeah. When he 
shoots Greedo. As, as, uh, when, as the Lord intended. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> uh, Charlie Wilson Smith. Charlie Wilson Smith. He's a super duper that guy actor. He was an American graffiti, deep impact. Kind of always plays a dweebish nerd. Um, Charlie, uh, uh, Charles or Charlie William Smith? Oh, excuse, excuse me. Charles Wilson Smith. Charles Wilson Smith. Okay, hold on. Mm-hmm. I mean, the name is still not familiar, but let me see if I can. Charles Wilson Smith. No? Okay. Actor. Um, no, I'm not. Charles Wilson Smith. Oh, hang on. Two L's. Let's try one L. Yeah, one L. Um, see if I will show you. Chief Executive Screaming Cow Productions. Oh, I bet that's him. Oh, so this is a picture of him as an old man. I'll bet I can see how that. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is obviously William Cat. <clears throat> yeah, that Which, one, that one I get. Yeah. Here it says William Cat of Carrie. Hey, William Cat of the greatest American, American hero. hero. Yeah. How fucking Fuck dare you. you? Yeah. Don't bring Carrie into this shit. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, that's uh, that's what I got. Uh, I think. Uh, I think we should roll that film. All right. So we open on a big, dumb stone face that so so dumb. Well, uh, how about do you like the fact that it actually opens with the title card Leisure Investment Company, <laughs> worst production company name ever? But also very telling of this film. You're like, yes. well, okay, I know what I'm in for now. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Low standards film production. <laughs> <laughs> the Beastmaster. These witches are. Fucking gross. Yes, they've got like the leather face uh face mask things. And, and they're scantily clad. Yeah. Uh, yes. They are literally butterfaces. Uh, 100%. Like <laughs> And that is a terrible phrase to say, but in this case because it's makeup, I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. You would not risk a paper bag because that could rip. You'd need like a leather satchel, like something more substantial. Maybe something out of metal. Maybe oh. leather and then metal. Like how many layers could you get over that face? Because it's bad. Their figures are just fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Con- uh, confusing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, l- listen. A lot of uh, young men of the time probably had some very strange erections. Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> I'm feeling something, and yet they're clearly bad. So yeah, you combine that with my Catholic upbringing, and I was, you know, pretty screwed up for a little while there. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then we've got a uh, good old Rip Torn there, <sighs> and this little prophecy. You will die at the hands of Zed's unborn son. Uh, Zed's unborn son will die. The truth cannot be changed. We'll talk about the kids in a, in a little how, bit because I do, don't fucking understand it. How about Riptorn's um, bird nose? Bird nose. <laughs> bird nose. Pippi Longstocking. Uh, yes. <laughs> braids for no reason. Like, oh, with the little skulls on. They're so cute. They're adorable. Uh, how it's, about fucking John Amos showing up? And I was like, yes. So he's gone. Is he coming back? <laughs> Uh, and he does. He does, thankfully. But like, I was like, "Holy shit, it's John Amos! He hasn't said anything. He's now, gone." Again, sadly, you've not seen Game of Thrones, so you won't get this reference. But he's basically playing it. And listen, 
I'm not worried about going through plot on this. If, no. Uh, a careful a, rewatch. Todd, well, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, there's not a whole lot of fucking plot. I, I mean, there's a lot of Mark Singer swinging his sword around like a kid with an empty Christmas wrapper tube. He learned that one move, and he's going to use it, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. I'm yes. the Beastmaster. There's a lot of fantasy tropes here, right? So the <sighs> the uh, the lost prince, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, through it's fucking evil Star magic, Wars. it's yeah. fucking Star Wars. <laughs> well, it's but it's even earlier than that, right? Like it's these, but I mean, it's like, these, like it's Star Wars tropes. Like it's it, oh boy, except they fuck up the father thing in this pretty hardcore, I mean, in my opinion. Well, it, it's even a little bit um, Oedipal, right? Like so, Oedipus, um, who will you know destined to kill his father, right, is sent mm-hmm. away as a child, and you know happenstance comes back. But this and trope his of, mother, yeah, well, his cousin. <laughs> I mean, like let's not. Aubrey looked at me at one point. She goes, "So Kiri is the king's niece." And Dar is the king's son. And if you search to the internet, people are is like, oh, but, but, but it's from a different, if it, from a different, I'm like, yeah, and? So Dar and Tal are half-brothers. So Dar, the Beastmaster, later meets his younger half-brother Tal. Which makes we, not a goddamn lick of sense. Who is the f- mother? It's it's a mother, it's a mother from off screen. So after Dar's mother dies, what? Thumbs I down. Mean, <laughs> Okay. Thumbs right. fucking down. <laughs> all right. There's all these elements, and this is what like great dungeon masters do, I think, in D and D, which is you shamelessly swipe these tropes or ideas or mm-hmm. or kind of archetypes. Um, sure. But you've got the three witches over the scrying portal, right? I mean, like that's Shakespearean. Right? It's literally the Scottish play. <laughs> sure. Which goes back even further to, like, you know, the fates in and, Greek And mythology. dear TSPHC Army, if you want to watch a good Shakespeare show, mm. find the Scottish play, find your favorite actor, they've probably played the part by this point, <laughs> and find the movie of it. Now, it's on my watch list. I haven't watched it yet, but Apple Plus, is it with Dan Denzel? I have not watched it either. I'll tell you what, it's the super condensed version. I believe it's like an hour and 48 minutes. I'm oh. like, that's the a deal. Fuck. <laughs> right? That's a deal. For this is a, like a four and a half hour play. <laughs> nice, nice. The witches in Macbeth, though, are clearly evocative of the the Greek fates or the Norse, the Norns. Again, these kind of mm-hmm. archetypes. And you know, this story does what every great dungeon master has done in the past, which is you swipe some stuff because it's so good, and that's why it works. Which is the same reason why Lucas swipes the hero's journey, which essentially. I mean, there's elements of this, uh, of that, even in this. I would suggest. sure, 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 yeah. Um, I do. I want to point out. Yeah, <laughs> the king shows up and he's like, "Fucker, you're not going to kill anybody." You are banished for life in Arak. No one will remember your name. Go practice your heathen religion in the outlands with the barbarian Johns. The unborn child is yours. It must be cut from its mother, branded with the sign of R, and sacrificed. I could have you put to death. And Mayax looks at his two guards, and the one guard, I know he's looking no, up to... I would call them acolytes. They're like okay. devotees. Yeah. Who who gives a shit? <laughs> sure. Okay. In any case, the one <laughs> looks up at the... I know he's looking up at the sca- scaffolding to throw his uh, thing up there, but it looks like he's rolling his eyes like, oh, I'm done yeah. with this heathen bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, 
Mayax, the, the wonderful Riptorn, in a display of the power he wields, with a gesture, gets his two acolytes to kill themselves. Uh, the King Zed is not deterred. King Zed, mm. the actor Rod Loomis, do you know what other role he played in pop culture? Well, he was on Star Trek The Next Generation. Was we'll he? always okay. have Paris. Yes. Okay. The, you've seen the meme where it's there's a giant beam in the middle of the screen, and it's data looking at data looking at data. Is that a is that a precursor to the Spider Man? Yeah, it's pretty much the same idea. It's it's the data looking at himself. It's a uh, yeah. So I didn't have that reference, but I did have uh, from the very first Bill and Ted movie, their excellent oh, yeah, adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's fucking Freud. Sigmund yeah. Freud. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Fucking was not a pause thing. That is, <laughs> I mean. The dude was obsessed with penises and sex. <laughs> he, he really was. And Coke. Don't forget the Coke. Oh, I see Probably the... Probably why he was obsessed with... Uh, <laughs> I see the meme. We'll always have Paris. I see the meme. Yep. Okay. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, that's funny. That's really funny. Um, um, oh, this stealing of the baby is... Is wonderfully original. Wonderfully original, but also, what the fuck is happening? Like, when the witch walks in with a cow and I'm like... The fuck's happening? The cow? Mm -hmm. And then when she puts the baby in the cow, I was like, horrifying. Yeah. Original, sure. Like, you know, it felt very uh, tangled. Um, It is dark magic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do I give the Cliff Notes version of the plot, and then we'll just talk about things we like? Now nah, we can speed through it as we go okay. because right. I want to make sure we hit everything. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on a lot of these scenes. I do want to point out the dead cow moves. <laughs> Listen, the cows. At, which he's carrying away the cow. Like, um, I think he, uh, she, sorry, not he, she may uh, spit up her cud. Oh, okay. The only other movie I can think of that happens in is um, The Pirates of Penzance. The uh, operetta? Uh, yes, very good. <laughs> because it's mainly uh, singing with a little tiny bit of talking. Exactly. They're hiding behind these cows singing a song and they keep popping out. And one of the times they pop out and go back, the cow goes, like, follows them, like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing behind me? And then she goes back to chewing, and all of a sudden just goes, <laughs> like, and my mother goes up, she just spit up her cud. I remember that as a kid. I was like, oh, that's cud. what that looks like. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Hey, you know what I'm going to cut from this film? I'm going to tell you now. Sure. The goddamn infant getting branded. Yeah, listen. What it's, the fuck? This movie is rated PG, and it's in the era before... PG-13 exists, 1982? Yeah, uh, Red Dawn was the first one. So So you could get away with branding children, murdering dogs, (laughs) boobs galore. As long as you didn't so penetrative sex, you've got a PG. Um, My favorite one of those, mm -hmm. air quotes favorite, is the um, Village People movie has full-on male frontal nudity, like... Dicks galore, and it is rated PG. And you're like, what? (laughs) I like the fact, you know, what were we just watching? Maybe it was, it must have been The Righteous Gemstones. Okay. I feel like there's a a number of creators today who are trying to take the stigma away because, you know, full frontal female nudity is, you know, mainstream. That's a thing forever, sure, sure. Um, But if you do full frontal female nudity, you get an R rating. Oh, sure, sure. But you don't see, you know, the prevalence of full frontal male nudity in hmm. our movies is ex- is essentially non-existent. Uh, mm-hmm. Righteous Gemstones. I feel like Danny McBride and Jody Hill, 
I feel like mm-hmm. they're pushing that. Now, they're picking men that no one wants to see fully frontal uh, nude. But Farva? If, yeah, yes, yes. The, uh, Poor guy. When I was with Christian and Lillian, his wife, in, in Colorado uh, last week, mm-hmm. they had never seen Righteous Gemstones. And we we're one night we were going to watch something, and I convinced them to watch it. They loved it. Um, and yeah. I forgot that episode one is one of those – it's one of those – Things where there's a, a naked man, full frontal, like to the side of the main character, and it pauses not because of the naked man, but because of like what's happening in the story. But it's one of those funny things where like the penis is right there, but it's a farva, it's a farva cock, you know, it's like, and it's, oh, no. and it's just so absurd, you know. I started laughing, I was like, oh, I totally forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> Oopsie. Oopsie. Dar's father, mm-hmm. well, Dar's future adopted father shows up. Sadly, uh, doesn't even get a name. He's Dar's He's father. literally young Dar's father, yeah. yeah. Uh, kills the witch with discount the crow. crow. Yes, which could have been another movie from this era uh, or for, mm. for this pick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, sadly, though, that's that's about the only time we'll see that. That like it's used sparingly a couple times throughout the rest of the film, but it's never like this was your grandfather. There's no yeah. re like the the weapons master for the movie is like I got this really cool thing. Like yeah, sure, use it. Well, what are we gonna fuck it? Just put it yeah. in the movie. We got coke to What's do. What's it called? No one cares. That's right. No one cares. <laughs> That's right. Then we flash forward to uh, young Dar, a total that kid. Uh, who is he? Just one of the boys. Another HBO staple. Just one of the boys. Never, <gasps> even, never even heard of that. What? Just one? female student reporter poses as a man, a boy at another high school to see if she. Oh wait, she just can, one of the guys. Yes, guys, not boys. You're right. Yes. Oh, um, he wants to talk about boobs in my adolescence. Hold it. Oh the yeah, shot me where too. She reveals. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then the horrible when she's trying to talk to the the guy. That she's in, in love with, Wait, is, and and she kisses him in front of the entire school, and she's, he's like, "It's okay, she has tits." Like even as a kid, I was like, "Yes, oh. <laughs> yes, holy cow, yes, Billy he's James, the little brother, the yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. holy cow." Oh, that's right. He's got the scene where he's dancing in his in his robe. <laughs> he's the horny little yes, brother, yeah, yes. and then ends up having sex with her friend. I think, yes, if I remember yes. correctly, because because the eighties. <laughs> Oh my like, god! Um, I totally did not connect. But you're right. That's 100. He's got that distinctive nose. That is, and, him. The, and, and his eyes, and yeah. like, and the fact that I watched just one of the guys all the fucking time because it was on HBO. Yes, it's a funny movie. It's got Billy it, Zapka. It's a real. It's a really good movie. It truly yeah. is. I, you know, I, feel, it, I think it's lost the time because of the the boob shot. Like yeah. people are like, she flashed her boobs. I'm yeah. like, what was she supposed to do? I mean, that's also the era, right? Like, it's a PG movie in the early 80s. I actually don't have a problem with the boobs in that moment because there's no other way for her to literally convince him except, like, sticking his hand down yeah, her pants, yeah, yeah. which also is fucking problematic. It's almost like shock value. So that actress is Joyce Heiser. Oh, she was on the... She looks like a young Ralph Macchio. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. She that's was... What, that's a line from the... That's a line from the... Seriously, like... The two nerdy kids that think they're aliens from Star Trek. Yeah. Do you remember oh, yes, them? Yes, 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 yes. And they're like, the teacher's yelling at them, like, hmm, analysis. Yeah. Too much coffee. <laughs> That's right. Not That's enough right. sex. <laughs> she was on the 1990, the original Flash TV show. She was. Yep. Megan Lockhart. Yeah. And looks like, sadly, has not done much in the last 
20 years. Only a handful of things. Billy Zapka's in it. He's the he's the bully. He's the bully he's pretty again. Much, yeah, he's playing Johnny Lawrence. Just discount Johnny Lawrence. Yeah, Poor and guy. I think that was kind of the end of his career, right? Like after doing after doing a, a just third one of the movie guys. where he's playing another Johnny Lawrence until Cobra Kai. I mean, he did things here and there, but like Cobra Kai's thing that's brought him back. And honestly, he's great. He he's the best part of that show. Mm-hmm. 100%. He's so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Uh okay, so Dark's father kills the witch and but the witch like Oh, uh we should I'm sorry, just to be pedantic. Um we cannot ignore Billy Zapka's uh delightful role in Back to School. Again, where he's playing a Johnny Lawrence type. Oh, uh well, Billy Zapka is also uh has a great role in How I Met Your Mother. I just see that as Billy Zapka clown William Zapka. Is he playing he's playing himself? So it's Barney's birthday. Yep. And he thinks everything's going wrong because they get um, Ralph Macchio to go with him. He's like, I don't want Ralph Macchio. The movie is about the karate kid. Oh, is this where the Will theory he... started? Yes. That, it's pretty that much the where villain? that theory started. No kidding. That, he, that, that uh, LaRusso's the villain. But, and like they hire this clown to go with them and he's honking his horn the whole time and just being silly. And at the end, everything falls into place. And then he's like, but I mean, no offense, Mr. Macchio, but you're not the one. He goes, yes, I know. Your girlfriend called. And he starts wiping off the makeup and he's like, and it's that you really wanted. And he gets it all off. He goes, Billy Zapka. <laughs> and Barty just passes out. <laughs> it's really a great moment. Uh, just And it made me go, oh, Billy Zapka. You know, this mo- so I just want to point out, sometimes, and actually this we'll have to acknowledge this the next time we record our, our mainline episode, sometimes our tangents go pretty far afield, and sometimes in the editing process we lose stuff because maybe it was mm. so <laughs> deeply embedded in a tangent, the tangent mm-hmm. had to go even if there was something important in there. Um, I want to point out that this is a really, this is a really far tangent. Actually, this is not a tangent. This is exactly evocative of what this season is supposed to be. This is bringing us back to those moments in our, like, where movies fit in sure. our childhood and development. So all of this makes perfect sense, and it's just as valid as what happens next in The Beastmaster. I'm good with all of this. Uh, it's also, you know, we're at case in point, we we just were lucky enough to go see The Batman. Sure, um, yeah. And... I mean, how many different conversations did we have before and after? Mm-hmm. This is just how we have conversations. Yep. Okay, so Dar's father yeah. kills the witch, but does he because she laughs after she Jedi's out of there? Yep. Uh, she becomes one with the Force, but she giggles. She, like, witch cackles as she's leaving. She does. Like, she she comes back around and attacks him and is powerful, but then he, I, I think he does end up killing her. But it's just but as any time a witch dies in this movie, yeah, they transform. There's a cackle, and then one of them turns into a fucking dove for end. no reason. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I was waiting for uh, the eagle to <laughs> come down. Just <laughs> uh, that, me too. Except I'm sure that, that been ASPCA rad. would not have allowed that, but that would have been accurate. I don't think the ASPCA was allowed on set. There's a lot of shit in this movie. I'm like, how did you get There's away a with shot that? at the end of the movie when Rue the "Quote unquote panther," which, as you point mm. out, is a dyed tiger because I read tigers are easier to handle on than set, panthers. Than yeah. panthers. Um, mm-hmm. There's a moment where Rue 
like sniffs Poto, the remaining ferret, and seems to be like, okay, that's Ooh, good. Oh, you look delicious. Yeah. Um, you can see in that shot, you can see a collar on Rue that I n- did not notice in any other shot with the panther. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if like they had they thought ahead. Yeah, like had him <laughs> on a, a chain. They tigers eat ferrets. They so. do. They do. Uh, also, the 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 young king. What's his name? Uh, well, the the king, Tal. Tall. Tall. Tal. Yeah. Tall. Tall was not allowed to be on set. I same time as yeah, Tiger. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, uh, and in the next in the next scene, um, Mark Singer came to set because he was going to shoot something right after they shot the stuff with the bear. Yeah. This was the only working bear in Hollywood at the time. Was it? What's the bear? Was it? Uh, no, it's not Bart the bear. Oh, Bart it's not bear. Bart. Okay, but no, because time. I'm pretty sure this bear got put to sleep because uh, he was released from his cage and immediately attacked his handler. Oh, oh no! Oh no! Had to be locked back up, and pretty much the director's like, "Okay, it's time for your scene." And Mark Singer probably was like, "I've made a tiny huge mistake <laughs> making right. this movie." Uh, well, actually, if you think about it, uh, he was probably happy to see that because. Adult Dar never shows up with a bear. Right. He's like, well, no, I'm uh, good. I'll just have a panther. That's fine. Speaking of Bart the Bear, uh, Bart the Bear is in Without a Paddle, the uh, Dak Shepard movie. Yeah, yeah. And Dak Shepard talks about it that, like, because they had to have Bart a certain level, like, they would have it drink Coca Cola. But then, like, give it things to to sedate it a little more. And he's like, and we would just, Bart would be in his trailer. You'd hear his trailer be like, Bart, no, you're, oh. and it's like, is he eating him? What's happening? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so they're playing in the field. He, he pull the Dar's father pulls out the fucking discount crawl and yep. throws it at the the hat, and. Suddenly, this guy is just mauled by a bear. Like, what's the name of that device? Where it's basically like there's a harness that the stunt guy is wearing connected to a rope, and it all of a sudden produces such a uh, force that get thrown backwards. A pull line. The pull yeah. line. That is mm-hmm. clearly what happens because all of a sudden he is in. He's sucked into the brush. Nothing comes out. <laughs> I, like there's. It's so stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he, that guy's dead. Um, <laughs> totally dead. Dar is able to like uh, crocodile Dundee. He, yes. So dungeons without and- doing the horns, but 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 before you say yeah. the dungeon dragons sure, sure. part, the, the 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 absolute stupidity of the scene. What happened here today must never be known. Now, you run ahead. Tell the village, Portis, go. And like, if I was started, like, what the fuck am I gonna say? I'm a kid. <laughs> like, he's dead. We're fine. Don't ask how. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons trope. The whole concept. Now, the admittedly poorly executed ranger. Uh, the Beastmaster archetype for the Ranger class in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. I mean, this whole concept of you're a fighting man or, you know, fighting character and you've got an animal companion who fights on your behalf. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that the Beastmaster didn't invent it, but it's like one of those, this is one of those early um, examples of what that looks like and why it still shows up today. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, again, if you watch this, through the lens of, I'm a D&D player, 
and I want entertainment that reflects this thing that I love, holy cow, it's right there. So there's one of them. But isn't Dar, adult Dar, kind of the hoarder of the D&D characters? Like, I've got an eagle. <laughs> And a leopard. Well, and two ferrets. All right, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> he, 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 listen. It breaks Do you down. Need two? A little bit. Can I just sure. have one? No, I need I two. I need all of them. I need all of them. <laughs> uh, but even Actually, like, and at the end, he has three ferrets. Technically, the 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 current, you know, the actually, not just current. It's been part of the lore for a while. Like find familiar. You can actually. Aubrey pointed this one out, which, uh, um, don't. Uh, Game of Thrones, the wargs yeah. are those like magically touched humans who can develop an empathic bond with an animal and ultimately like put themselves into the animal's head. Uh, like uh, uh, Brown. Brown is, is not a work. No, Brown. Bra- doesn't he? Can he talk to the no. crows? No. Who's that? That's uh, Bran. Oh, Bran. Bran. Close. You were Bran. close for a non yeah, don't. Game of Thrones guy. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bronn is the ultimate mercenary, Sir Bronn of Blackwater. He's uh, he's like, what do you, you got? Coin? I'll fight for you. Yeah. Hang on one second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no! What? The bead just wrote. <laughs> That's all he's saying in the episode. Yeah. Who's a horny brother? While I was getting milk a minute ago, I heard your conversation. Horny brother? When did we say horny brother? <laughs> I'm just gonna say, not a clue. <laughs> Horny brother. <laughs> but to see it show up on my phone, on From my your watch, yeah. <laughs> saying, Bean, who's a horny brother? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then her new favorite thing, she just wrote, girl, it was even you. <laughs> oh, that's delightful. Sassy little, almost 13-year-old. Um, okay, so flash forward, now we've got Mark Singer. Adult? As adult, uh, they go out to plow the field. As that happens, uh, some bad guys show up, the judge. and at one and at one point there are boobs for no reason during. This. Of course, uh, you know. Again, if you saw Conan the Barbarian, it's the same trope, right? Like, mm-hmm. so he is twice displaced. He loses his role in the royal palace, uh, and then his adopted home is destroyed by the Savage Horde, which of course sure. will be linked back to the big bad guy uh, at the end of this. At this point, I wrote the note, if the dog fucking bites it, spoiler alert, the dog fucking bites it, and I was not happy. So the dog's name is Kodo, which is the same name he will give one of the ferrets later. Yeah, Kodo's looking down from dog heaven like, am I a fucking joke to you? I I saved your life, motherfucker. (laughs) He saved his life. He did. He did. Uh, So Dar wakes up. Kodo is dead. He returns to the village. His pe- And I just want to point yeah. out, we are only 20 minutes into this film. An infant has been branded with a cow proud, and a dog is dead. Right. And an entire village is slaughtered. And do- yeah, and uh, uh, but, all those people on spikes. But uh, do you know how many backstories of Dungeons & Dragons characters I've had, which is like, his people were slaughtered by... Insert mm-hmm. the bad guy, right? Or again, Scotland's. it's a PG movie. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah demons. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So we get a little bit of a training montage. He recovers his father's sword, the discount crow. Um, but we, then he's not training with the sword initially. He's swinging a fucking log around. But it's the equivalent of like Robert Downey Jr. with the sledgehammer on the tires. It's it's those I like guess. it's like the Robert you know, Downey Jr. never 
sledgehammer to tire. You're thinking of Ben. You're thinking of Ben Affleck. Robert Downey Jr. uses it to make the you realizing you, you fucked up, don't you? you? Mr. You realize you. you oh, you're you going to talk about the Ben Affleck? Oh, how dare you! <laughs> but it is. It's you're Ben right, Affleck that's doing it. You're right. Robert Downey Jr. You see him hitting an anvil and making sure, the. Sure, sure, That's sure. where you're getting yep. where you're conflating. Yeah, that's one hundred percent. But I do want to point out you're still super wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the log swinging is so fucking bizarre. I think it was Mark Singer being like, guys, I learned how to swing a log. Uh, we're going to put it in the movie. You know what I like it about this? It was part of my dream. And, and actually, Aubrey and I were talking about this as we were watching. This is, this is one of the last moments before He-Man becomes the archetype for a hero. Before Arnold right. Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, who were exceptions at the time. And actually, mm-hmm. to be fair, even Sylvester Stallone... Uh, become Stallone doesn't. Do, yeah, yeah, he becomes he's not, more. Of he's, that. But he's about this build in First Blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's incredibly yeah. cut, right, and defined. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Mark Mark Singer looks great. But, he but is in great shape. Mark Singer is like one of the last of these kind of action male action heroes that still looks like a like a normal guy. And I'm not saying like every guy walks around looking like that, but he's not a bodybuilder. Uh, he's the kind of built that you put a shirt, you put like a t-shirt and jeans on him. You're not going to know. Yes, he's he's built like that. The the I think it it must be. He's not Hemsworth. It must like yeah. Hemsworth can't hide the fact that he's Schwarzenegger, you know, a shit brick yes, house. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I, I maybe it's the episode, the Netflix series, the toys that made us. Maybe mm-hmm. it's the episode where they talk about He Man. There, maybe. there is, and again, living in that time. There is an absolute kind of like cultural shift where we move to this place where the archetype for an action hero has to be. It, actually, you can see it with Batman, right? You can see the the when Batman. There's a whole lineage of Batman where he looks like Beastmaster. He's clearly strong. Neil Adams. And in, Neil Adams drew him as just like swimmer's body. Sure. Yes. And then you go to this like. Okay, he must be on steroids. How can Bruce Wayne disguise that bulk? Like, this is before that shift happens. And again, it's somebody who's living through that. It was really cool to see, like, oh, no, 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 he's, that's what he looks like. And in this, John Amos, Seth, is kind of portrayed as the, um, again, Game of Thrones, uh, Arstan Whitebeard, the role that Sir Barristan Selmy will play, protecting the young royal, I know, but the rest of us who watched it are all getting it. It's the exact same yeah. trope, right? Like the he's the heavy, he's the heavy protector, it, it, who is the most physically imposing, and but even also, he is like, not like. He yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna fuck around with uh, John Amos th- this time, but like, you know, he's not, but he's 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 strong. You can tell he's strong. Yes. He's not Jesus Christ strong, you know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, but it, uh, so yeah. uh, another trope. Mm-hmm. While we're on tropes, what does during this all this uh, training? What does uh, the Beastmaster fall into? Quicksand, which literally. So we're so actually. This is the point. Jack is still watching with it with us, and he says, "What is that?" And Aubrey, mm-hmm. no, I, I didn't even have a chance to respond. Aubrey says. And I know she's quoting somebody, I can't remember who it is, but she says, it is quicksand, 
And I was led to believe it would be far more dangerous <laughs> than it actually is. I believe that is Mr. John Mulaney. John Mulaney, that's who it is, yes. I believe it is, yes. yes. And he's absolutely right. Yes. It was used, I mean, if you grew up in not the 70s actual and quicksand. Yeah, Princess Bride. Uh, it's not, it's, it's lightning sand. Uh, Adam, the Adam West Batman. Oh, right. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles, yes. It was a thing that we were supposed to be afraid of. I was afraid to go into the wilderness thinking that quicksand's going to grab me and I'm fucked. And there's like three places in the world that quicksand is. I think I remember reading somewhere. I'm like, why was this in everything? Yes. It, it, in the 70s and 80s, it was everywhere. You would have thought that the streets were paved with quicksand because that was <laughs> how frequently people were falling into it. In fact, oh, I'm, uh, I'm, oh, Uh-oh. oh, I've, I've landed in some quicksand. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, that was a visual joke just for Todd and I. Yep. Yep. So we were just figuring out whether or not the SBCA was on set for this movie. Sure. They were not because this fucking ferret who looks terrified <laughs> goes under the goddamn quicksand. Like that ferret is scarred for life. Uh, I did see in the IMDb trivia section, which is always a gold mine. <laughs> that there were about 25 ferrets who played Kodo and Podo. As, How many died shooting uh, this stuff? You know, curiously, doesn't say. Does not say. Yeah, let's skip ahead a little sure. bit to Donna's mom. Um, oh, yes. Oh, well, it, somewhere in here he gets the tiger. Who cares? Uh, he kills a few Juns. Yeah, uh, saving, they've got the, the... saving the panther. How dare you? Mm. I'm going to call him a tiger because he's a fucking tiger. <laughs> he's a fucking tiger. Yep. All I wrote for the whole, I'm going to trick you thinking that uh, this tiger is going to eat you and then uh, I'm going to uh, lay on top of you. I All I wrote was, this is gross. <laughs> because it is. <laughs> it's gross on every level. And then when Dar, in a minute, when he, like, when the jig is up mm-hmm. and she's trying to leave, he's like, I'm no threat to you. I wanted uh, Kiri to say, no threat? My good sir, you just tried to rape me. So, so I, I, am go- I will say I think that word is strong. I think that's a strong word. I don't think it's... I think he clearly was being deceptive. I think that that... I would not she, use that She word. clearly gets over because later when they're, they're kissing... Uh, sure. She 100% slips him the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yes, yes, yes. Blah, blah. So gross. Yep. The force perspective. The force perspective. Of the... Of what, what Dar looking looking down on the city. Yeah, yeah. Oof, but doof yes. does not work. Aubrey goes, so there's like 50 people in the city. They're totally going to figure out who Sacco's wife and kid are. I was like, yeah, you're kind of right. <laughs> and, right. And again, many times during this, Aubrey and I looked at each other. We're like, don't think about it too hard. You just can't. Don't, you can't. You can't think about it too hard now. Uh, so Dar comes in the city. He does a smart thing. He gets himself a cloak. My question is, where does his sword go? Under the cloak. Then he just have like a little weird don't, hump like don't, this. <laughs> don't look too hard because it won't make sense. Oh, and then holy shit, a child is burned alive. <laughs> 
Well, sure. If you want to get technical, yes. Well, I I gotta be honest with you. Technical. I, I remember he fucking tosses that kid in there, and I'm like, oh, but Dar's gonna. Oh. So I remember. Oh fuck! That kid just died. So I I remember Sherak coming in, swooping in, and doing what no eagle could do, flying away with a with a child. Like, you. Oh, that didn't work. I will admit on the rewatch, and to be fair, I haven't seen this in many years. On the rewatch, I will admit I was surprised. I was like. Oh, the first kid totally dies. He saves the second kid. <laughs> I was, so, right. so Sacco, the father of the second kid, because uh, one child is not enough. R demands more, and uh, Mayax. And who is who is the second sacrifice? Drew, but Barrymore. Drew Barrymore's yeah. stunt double. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, <laughs> like for a hot second, I'm like. Is that your parent? No, okay. So good for Dar. Good for Sherak. Good for Sacco. His daughter's rescued. Can we have a moment of pause and you know and uh, respect to the like first good. child's parents who are like, yeah, where was that eagle thirty fucking seconds ago? Like when everyone starts to disperse, I wanted the two of them just to still be standing there holding each other, like. <laughs> But let's not also discount. Yes. Max being like every other evil leader and taking a bad moment and trying to turn it to their favor. See? I have spoken. He wants your children. Voting machines rigged the election. <laughs> I knew. I, I was like, what are the odds that, that this is a 45 joke? 100%. It's a 45 joke. Uh, so you know how you and, you and Colin, you've talked about... Was it Condor Man had some lines that just kind of entered your and Colin's like short speak kind of like phrases that yes. show up everywhere? In my house with my brothers. Oh boy. You see, R has spoken. He wants your children is a line. <laughs> so, and I mangled so it up. last episode when we were talking about it, but because I couldn't, it's been literally decades since I've watched this, but it was in heavy rotation and almost like the memory of it. Mm-hmm. Becomes greater than the actual original, but when he says that, I'm like, "There it fucking is." R wants yeah. your children. Um, okay, so let's get back to the wonderful John Amos showing oh, up in this movie. Yes. Now, Wait, are you Sam just, Jackson? I'm sorry. Let's not skip over the winged devourers. Oh, those were gross. And like again, a D and D campaign. I don't know why those witches get away. I don't know what these things are, but these are. You've now experienced this. These are those breadcrumbs that, like, five sessions later, you can refer back to a clue of the winged devourers or the bird people or whatever you want to call them. These bat-like things that engulf a victim, vomit digestive juices down into it, and then leave a, a pile of bones. How they're, fucking they're cool like is owls. That? Sure, owls eat everything of a mouse except the bones. Um, <sighs> Yeah, I see. Now, the problem was of this what? particular scene, not just the whole yeah, movie. Okay. <laughs> um, the problem was I was watching this next to the bear today. Yes. Uh, this morning, oh. specifically. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, I had Sorry, I was watching bear. on the iPad. No, I was watching on the okay. iPad, and he was watching uh, Encanto, which I kept being mm-hmm. like, I'd rather be watching Encanto. But I had my headphones in, so he couldn't hear any of sure. it. And having my headphones in and hearing... <laughs> So gross. Uh, yeah, but you know, again, 
think to was, some of the D and D adventures we've had. Like, sure, how cool no, was more, that? More like, like later when, um, what's his face, the the guy that uh, Dar just saved the son of, what's his name, Zed? The, oh, Zed, yeah, the king. No, 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 no not the king. The one he just saved the son uh, oh, at the Sacco, sacrifice. Sacco. When Sacco shows up later with the horses yeah. near the end of the film, and the clip-clop of the horses is at the same level no matter where the fuck the horses are in relation to the camera, yeah. I'm like, this is awful, awful Foley work. Yes, yes. The Foley work on the digestion was great <laughs> because it was disgusting. That's, it's exactly what you needed in that scene. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't need it. No, yeah. no. Let's. Well, Jack didn't need it, it, it but it was it was great. I guess Jack must have lasted longer because he was he saw the scene with the winged devourers, uh, and he goes. But before they show up, he goes, "Is this tree growing ball sacks?" I was like, <laughs> "It kind of is. Yeah, it kind of is." <laughs> You're not wrong, Jack. You're, You're not, not wrong. wrong. Okay, so John Amos. John motherfucking Amos. Now, oh, it's, it's interesting that you said motherfucking because my next note is Sam Jackson may have the market on crazy eyes, but John Amos is the OG of them. He, he is the maybe. Yeah, he taught Sam Jackson when they were in coming to America together. I oh, good callback. Sure. Now, I think John Amos. So I don't think it's crazy eyes. I think he is the originator. And once again, white man stealing from the black man. Before Harrison Ford was doing this, the angry, you find this man. serious finger shake. Find the, the finger shake, yeah. When John Amos does the, I'm angry and don't fuck with me, I think it is Harrison Ford level or better, right? Like. Uh, we were affectionately, uh, the Star Trek nerds refer to it as Gowron eyes. Okay. The Klingon uh, High Council uh, <laughs> Chancellor. Yeah. Uh, just look up Gowron. G O W R O N. Okay. Gowron. Gowron eyes. Oh, shit. <laughs> Jesus. That man needs an ophthalmologist. Those cannot be good. And the first time he does it in, is in his first appearance. And um, Jesus, he's arguing with another. Cl- haunt you. It's like if Mona Lisa was possessed and those eyes. They're great. Now, he's a white man. So, again, white man stealing from the black man. Um, But he, his first time he does it, I can't remember. It's it's just like the Bane thing. Like someone's threatening him and he goes, it would be most unpleasant for you. (laughs) And you're like. Oh, I like he has such a lasting impression. He was only in fucking six episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation and maybe D Space Nine combined. And he has become the meme to end all means because of those eyes. So to look at the actor, Robert O'Reilly, he is a regular looking guy. Mm-hmm. But how the fuck did they were they like? We need someone who's going to look he did fucking it. crazy. I bet you he did it in the audition. They went, what the fuck the room. was that? Holy shit. I believe his first appearance is a Frakes directed episode. And, dear Patreon audience, if you would like to go over to my other <laughs> podcast where no mom has gone before, well we got to interview motherfucking Jonathan Frakes. Even <sighs> us non Trekkies like myself cannot wait for this episode to drop. I am so excited for this. <laughs> 
It has already dropped by the time this episode oh, by the time has this released. Is, yeah. The time we're recording it, it is not dropped, mm-hmm. so I'm still waiting. Yes, it. correct. Yes. yes, I know. It's just I didn't want people to not go over there right now. Sure. Right now it's there. Sure, go sure, now. Sure, sure. Got it, got it, got it. Um, How about now? You mean what's happening now is just happened. What about then? You just missed it. Oh. All right. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? Uh, nothing. Uh, and okay. Movie? So let's see. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I I'm kidding. Go to some I'm, tropes. Ki- I'm The scrying magic, the warts. Actually, we've hit my tropes. I love the again. If you like, you know, Sir Barristan's turn in Game of Thrones when he becomes Arsten Whitebeard and seeks out Daenerys to protect her. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I fell asleep. As well as the oh, who is it who's protecting the young Griff? Uh, again, this idea of the. Oh, it's even, what was I just watching? I, I started watching Why the Last Man, which is a comic series great I love. Great comic. Yeah. The, the, I heard the series is not great because they really play up the, Yorick's dickishness, and you're just like, well, why do I care? Yeah, yeah. The the, <laughs> the, the TV series does not work for me. But, um, you know, what's her name? The uh, the woman, like, there's this great tradition of, like, the season, like, the, the world-weary professional you can mm-hmm. even probably point to the professional who, for whatever motivation, is protecting the young protege, mentee, heir apparent. The road. The, um, sure. Yeah. yeah there's yeah, a yeah, yeah. thousand movies where we could. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And that is John Amos, which, and it's so interesting. So Jesus. for him, your prototype of him is is coming to America, right? Pretty much. That was the thing that I remember him from the most. Yeah. So I think if you're a little bit older than me, you're probably remembering him from Roots, right? Which was an iconic. I know, saw Roots after, but, but, but coming it, to it America, didn't like yeah, it didn't like imprint on you like that's not. I mean, he's I mean, he's great in Roots. No, don't get oh, me wrong. Oh, agree, agree. But and Roots deserves the his character in um, coming to America. Is just so fucking iconic. The slamming the door in Eric LaSalle's face mm-hmm. all the time, to- every time he knocks on the door to come in. I mean, just <laughs> the, the whole thing about how it's different. We're McDowell's, not McDonald's. That's right. McDowell's. We're McDowell's. McDowell's. We're McDowell's. We only have one arch. They have two. Uh, no, no. Rainbow uh, McDonald's has the golden arches. We have the golden arcs. Like arc, yeah, arc. Yeah, they yeah. only have it's, one. It's, that was yeah. It's so close. Um, it's such a fucking great movie. So if you're a little bit older than me, you know, I think it's it's Roots. I was six when Roots comes out in '77. For me, okay. For me, he will be. I mean, like, and again, like where you imprint, it's Good Times, right? So he is the father of JJ oh, Walker. Shit, yes, he is. And it, you know, I think before. Oh, it's interesting. So Good Times actually comes out before Roots. You know what it was? I was seeing Good Times in syndication, not sure. the original run. So that's what it is. But for me, like the his role in Coming to America as the stern protecting father mm-hmm. is a mm-hmm. shadow. Like, I, I mean, I, I actually think it's a great tragedy. Boy, now I'm going to say this. Okay. I'm going to say this not having watched, not having seen Good Times in probably at least 20 years, maybe more. But I feel like the family, in good times, you have a strong black family structure that, Mm -hmm. you know, one could argue the war on drugs and over-policing has eroded in black communities. 
you know, yeah. he's a, I mean, look, Bill Cosby before he, what we saw on TV as like America's father, I always thought. Cliff, how about this? How about this? Cliff, Hus- Cliff Huxtable yes. is a great father. Agree. I always he just I always happens to be played by a monster. I always thought um, John Amos's role in Good Times for me sure. that was a far better image, or or maybe it was. There were far more. There were far more. What was his character's name? Walker. Uh, uh, James. James Evans. So there were far more James Evans than there were Cliff Huxtables in the world. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, again, who was that a Norman Lear? It was a Norman Lear. That's why it's such yeah, a it good... Was, it was part of that whole All in the Family. Yes. yes. Uh, uh, moving on up to the east side. What the hell was that one? Uh, the Jeffersons. Jeffersons. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. But I couldn't think of that. Yeah. Have, have you... Yeah. Have you ever seen... Good times, and I'm not being facetious. Yeah. yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah. Every time um, All in the Family comes up, I I wanna I wanna point something out to the generation behind me, mm-hmm. where people are like, Archie Bunker's a fucking racist. That show would never work. That show needs to happen now mm-hmm. because Archie Bunker is a hard start staunch conservative Republican that learns throughout the show. Yes. That times have changed and he needs to change. That is the critical Not that he's wrong. Not that he's wrong. But the ideals that he had have changed and he needs to change. From his perspective, not that he's wrong. From our perspective, he's wrong. Um, No, because he he changes. The views he holds The the views he holds at the beginning, yes. But he learns as the show goes on. Yes, agree. Therefore, that makes Archie Bunker a great character. Carol O'Connor is a staunch Democrat. So (laughs) that should probably tell you something about how the character is supposed to be. It was kind of like, what was the fucking Tim Allen show? Uh, The... No, no, not 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 home improvement. The one he just oh, is doing now. Is it Man of the House? Man of the House is like it's. They're like it's this generation's Archie Bunker. No, it's not because he's not learning anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Good Times was a show worth watching, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all those shows. I mean, it's Norman it's Lear. It's Norman Lear. It's fucking the, yeah. Norman Lear. Uh, when it, we it, lo- did you the, watch the the um, what was it? So I it was did different not. strokes. I, Oh, I want to the live, the live yeah, yeah, yeah. both of them, different strokes and facts of life. Well, were, was the facts of life were both perfect? Right. And Norm with 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 Jennifer Aniston, yes, <laughs> fucking hilarious. But Norman Lear is there with Jimmy Kimmel, um, and he is a hundred. Yeah, he is. Uh, well, actually, technically, he's ninety nine when that aired. He'll he's be fucking he sharp. He'll be hundred this July, and yep. he is to fucking sharp as attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, what was the What was the special? The very special episode of uh, Different Strokes of Different. I, no, no, of, no, 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 of Good Times. Was that the the pedophile that the, takes the pictures? That's, that's Different Strokes. That is that's Different Gary Strokes. Coleman. Okay. Yeah, that is, and it was. That's exactly the way it was. So when you said, that's why when you said a very special episode, I was like Different Strokes. With the pedophile, and you hear, you hear. Tonight's episode of Different Strokes is a very special episode. Parents, please watch your two children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, we're about to show your kids some pretty fucked up shit. You should probably be there for it. Which it's it's Cherry in uh, getting locked in the uh, refrigerator in Punky Brewster. It taught my entire generation fucking that. CPR. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, but she gets stuck in the in the thing, and Punky does CPR in her and brings her back to fucking chest life. Chest compressions, chest compressions, oh chest my compressions. God, quoting it was Dr. So... Mike. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, but you know, it is it is fucked up. But I I'm of the school of thought that the world is fucked up, and the better we address it and develop ways that you attack that. The better off we are, right? Like I now, not every show needs. You know, I, I I am very glad that for the most part we're almost to the end of Community. You know, Community never has had a very special episode. They've tackled real issues uh-huh. and they've dealt with them in their own way. But th- those kind of shows are few and far between these days. Okay. Where the ones uh, I think la- the last gasp of that kind of show was Scrubs. Scrubs would be zany and weird, and all of a sudden it would just be like, boom, serious moment right at the end. Mm. And you'd go, well, I was not. I'm thinking specifically, spoiler for the show, Brendan Fraser's death. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's pretty fair. Boy, I'm trying to, I'm like, that can't be the last one, but I'm trying to think of later ones. That is literally the moment where I went, I should probably watch the show more. It was on in between something we watched, yes. Danny and I, and we would watch Sprag episodes. Sometimes we'd get up and, and clean. Uh, or do something else. Um, and we're watching that one. I'm like, oh, Brendan Fraser's in this episode. And we're watching it. And all of a sudden, he's fucking dead at the end. And I went, I was I was not expecting this. We oh. should probably watch the show. That was very interesting. Oh. Commander, where are we? We seem to be stuck in an alternate dimension. And you're no longer a captain. You're a commander. Commander. Dear God, are you a lieutenant? And why are you talking like that? Oh, no, I don't don't know why I'm talking like that. But no, I seem to have no rank. Only the title of doctor? I don't think there are admirals either. Captain, I mean, commander, I mean... Look, Casey, we are getting a message. It seems we have been tasked with reviewing a historical document entitled Galaxy Quest? Then there's no moment to spare. Engage! I I, I don't think um, Night Shift Radio Legal has cleared usage of engage, so you might want to just dial that back there. All right. Well, then, I guess it's up to us to say, join us over on the Where No Mom Has Gone Before podcast as we review 1999's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. Mom! Combat, exploration, and roleplay. These are known as the three pillars of play that make every game of Dungeons & Dragons exciting, tense, and rewarding. But we believe there's another pillar to the world's greatest roleplaying game, and that fourth pillar is creation. Are you a dungeon master who has always wanted to create your own monsters? Execute your own adventures? Design your own challenges, spells, classes, and lineages? That is what we here at the fourth pillar of play, a Night Shift radio production, are doing. Learning game design by designing games. We are not professionals. We are enthusiastic amateurs, just like many of you. So join us as we review and discuss information by professional game designers and put theory into practice by creating new worlds, new monsters, and new opportunities for heroic players. I'm Josh. And I'm Talon. Join us at the fourth pillar of play, available wherever you download your podcasts or visit us at www.fourthpillarofplay.com. And we look forward to creating with you. 
So at this point, you get everything that comes back. Dar comes back. We don't recognize. He doesn't recognize yet who he is. No one else does. He will enlist the aid of Seth, Tall, Kiri, Sacco. They will free the king, who does not know who he is, rejects him. The king's plan fails. Dar will go back to free them. He will end up killing Mayax, but the Jun Horde is still a threat. The Jun Horde comes in. They do a better version of the Battle of Winterfell, um, ending with Dar defeating the Jun <laughs> Chieftain, um, and with the appearance of the Winged Devourers, destroying the rest of the Jun Horde. Dar, now acknowledged as the original son of King Zed, rejects the throne, leaves it to Tal, and sets out in course of adventure with Kiri, Rue, uh, Podo, the two ferret kids, and Sherak, and Rue, uh, and Rue at his side. Plot. Uh, we we kind of, well, yeah, we kind of skipped now, over. Go talk about whatever you want. <laughs> King Zod is Zed, a Zed. fucking, who gives a shit? <laughs> He's a dick. Yes. A little bit of beggars can't be choosers. He is a freak who speaks to animals. But father... I need no coward by my side! Yeah, awfully bold for someone who was fucking blinded in the yeah. basement of a cigarette. And I just realized, yes, of course, Max goes into the fire because who sends him there? Kodo. You're right, which is how we lose R.I.P. fucking Kodo. Yes. Who goes out with a fucking hero's death, 100%. But still, I was like, I wrote, not Kodo. What the fuck? Nothing happened. Listen, R.I.P. Beltar. You know, great victories don't happen without sacrifice. Uh, how about the, the, so they fill the moat. Wait, hang on one second. I feel like we've made this reference twice. Beltar was your character in our D&D campaign. You had a scheduling conflict. Had to leave. You and Talon, the DM, <laughs> sneakily came up with this brilliant exit strategy and hang on, hang on. Talon came up with it. I simply said, dude, I got to be written out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't have time. I don't have time anymore. So he came up with it. You executed and it was fucking epic. And now in to our- the point where you're like, oh, no, we can revive. We can do this. I'm like, ta, 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 no, 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 no. You, you, I'm dead. You gave me, the, you waved me off. Uh, but to the point where in the group that's still running without you, one of the magical weapons that our group have has is named... Beltar's charity, and it is in <gasps> honor of your sacrifice. I didn't know this. That's what that's Aww. the sword that Josh is wielding. It is Beltar's charity. Yes. Gosh, that's nice. Yes. Is that the sword that I that I destroyed the egg with? No, that destroyed, but we got a, oh that's we, right. We found another one in that same adventure, and it was like yes. your sacrifice yes. allowed us to. Yes. Well, that's right. Yep, pretty cool. Um, so the moat explosion. Yeah. Did you notice that there were, I'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Mark Singer and uh, Miss Roberts, but uh, did you notice there were two people down there wearing the exact amount of clothes that Tar and Kiri are? I and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm wearing what and what's going to happen? <laughs> Fuck everybody on this set yeah, right that's now. Right. That's right. I'm going to need uh, half the budget as my compensation for this stunt. Aubrey pointed out that everyone in the, in the movie who is physically fit is wearing almost nothing. Everyone who is not is wearing multiple layers of clothes. Mm -hmm. And I said, and at that point, Sacco was on screen. I said, would you like to see Sacco in a loincloth? She said, no, no, no. I'm just saying that that's how it's set. Though, uh, Tall. Tall? Yeah. Yep. 
Tall, tall. Yep, T A L. Tall is in just a loincloth at the end of this film. And it is uncomfortable because we see far too much of that 11 year old ass <laughs> for my. I was, that was gross. Don't I think wrote, about it all too I wrote much. was gross. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I do like at the end, Dar leaves and Kiri's like following him, and you think she's not going to follow him, but he gets up top on top of that ridge or on top of the like the cliff end. Yep. And she comes up, and I wrote, I just wanted her to be like, Pardon me, I believe you owe me one visit to Bone Town. <laughs> Because they make out so fucking hard on the top of this mountain. There's some aggressive tone. Oh, uh, we see the baby ferrets. Uh, we see very clearly that Rue is eating something far away because the two actors are making out so they can't really keep their eye on him. Uh, if you notice, he's like chewing on something down in the corner to keep him occupied yes, for this yes. aerial shot. Yep, I did see uh, that. N- and that's all I got. I think we can say... And movie. Yes. Yes. So I'm so, not John, saying it's a, a great movie. Piece. Oh, uh, good, because I'm not either. <laughs> it's, But I'm saying it's a point in my life that this yeah, film yes, is very Yes, that's fine. Role. And I don't hold any, you know, judgment against you for liking this movie. I definitely, you know, I just, I need to let you know that I don't like this movie. Okay, okay, that's fair. I will will never watch this movie again. Hey, Todd? Yes, yes. What is your favorite character? Listen, he he carries, it's the titular character. He's wonderful. He's delightful. Uh, Mark Singer was, Mm -hmm. you know, my adolescent self. He was one of my images of what cool was. It's sure. it's Dar the Beastmaster. How about you? If you have to pick a favorite character, if you have to, it's Kodo and Podo. It's, Kodo it's Kodo. the ferrets. I knew little, you were do that. Little you fuckers. Okay. <laughs> they're adorable. Now, Casey, I love when they're chewing the the, the rope, rope and yeah, Dar's like, "Don't worry, they'll make this happen." And then he goes to cut the one ferret. He gets out of the way. I'm like, I mean, he's not wrong. They did do it. They just That's didn't right. do it themselves. <laughs> uh, now, Casey. Yeah. This is a relative statement. It's not what's a good scene. Mm-hmm. It is of all the scenes in the movie, what is mm-hmm. the best scene? <laughs> you have to pick something. No. It is the. It, it, can it be a montage of all the times that Mark Singer goes swings the sword? Oh, no, oh, but he goes to talk to the eagle. He never growls to talk to the tiger. Goes <laughs> to talk to the ferrets. That's but for good. some reason, they thought it was a good idea for him to go he when eagle. he's talking. It's so fucking stupid. Oh, okay, that's fair. Uh, for me, and again, um, if I'm if this is a D&D adventure, this is a campaign, and I'm hinting at a bigger world, I love the fact 
like I want to know more, but I love the fact that we don't know more about the the bird people or the winged devourers, whatever you want to call yeah, them. Yeah, they're pretty cool. That scene's just cool. Like, forget about the fact that it seems weird and disjointed. It's just holy shit, this is a weird world. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, uh, well, while we're on scenes, sure. Uh, Todd, what is one scene you would cut? Uh, I mean. Oh, I, I mean, look, this, this movie is what I want it to be. It's a long movie. It's close to two hours. It's like 118. Yes, it is. Uh, I feel bad. I, I feel bad for Dar's rejection when Zed like banishes him. Yeah. Uh, Zed, the, you know, the once king who's been blinded and living at the bottom of the ziggurat for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, like is like no, but fuck still somehow you. fathered a, a, yeah. a child. <laughs> that was I felt bad for him. I'll go with that. Sure. Um, I would cut all the prep in the moat. Okay. Just because it, a smarter movie wouldn't have shown us that and had us just figure it out as the moat fucking exploded. Sure, that's fair. That's fair. We didn't need all that. Or did we? Spoiler: We did not. Okay, and then finally. Casey, who is the actor having the most fun? I think it's Rip Torn. I mean, this yes. is pretty easy. He's just mustache twirly all over this thing. There's no depth. He is a two-dimensional villain. You don't mm-hmm. have to add anything but just be wicked. Uh, you know, there's no there's no like eh, your father, the king before you did this to my father. It's just yeah. like man, just an evil fuck. He doesn't yeah. have long exposition. Yeah, probably an easy gig. He's got the the funny wig with the skull. Uh, oh, you know, see, I don't braids. think I don't think that's a wig. I think that's all Rip Torn's hair except for the two braids. I the, think they just okay, sure, the braids. pop some two bla- braids into his hair. And that uh, that prosthetic hawk nose. I was like, Oof. for a second, I was like, is it anti-Semitic? I'm like, I'm not going to think about it. It just is. He's a bad guy. Uh, oh, fuck, I didn't think about it, but yeah, it's, it's kind of anti-Semitic. anti-Semitic. But I think. His the, what he had to do to get there was pretty mild. I think he's mm-hmm. having a great time. Okay, yeah, he gets to push a kid down into the fire. Like, who mm-hmm. hasn't thought about that? I, I haven't. Oh, I have. Oh, I've, oh, I've definitely, yeah. I've definitely looked at my kids and go, "Oh yeah, I could push you into fire." Not oh, all the time shit. and not every day, but right this second. Todd, that that knocking noise you're hearing behind <laughs> you that? is oh. CPS. Oh, that gotcha. Oh, that's unfortunate. Okay. <laughs> All right, now, Casey, you may remember from the beginning of our discussion ah, that the ah, ah, ah. IMDb score for this movie is a 6.2 out of 10. How do you rate this movie? A four. Okay. There's some fun action sequences. I laughed at one moment in the movie. I don't remember, even remember what it is off the top of my head, but I went, huh, that was funny. Uh, I did like that when... when Dar, uh, or when uh, Mayax is... Uh, improvising after Sherak saves the kid. You see? R has spoken. He wants your children. No, but I did like that they picked and chose when uh, Mark Singer was wearing a safety, the safety glove. (laughs) Yeah. Like the, the one scene in the, uh, about midway through the movie, it's very clear he's wearing it, but they're very quick and smart to like it lands and then cuts away and then he lets it when go Sherrick and it cuts away. Lands on his yeah. wrist. Yeah, but yeah. then Sherrick at the end lands. I'm like, oh, he's not wearing the glove, and it lands and one of its talons go right by his knuckle. I'm like, ow, 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 ow
Uh, you could just you could just hear Mark saying, "Like fuck, 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 fuck." This hurts so bad. Cut. <laughs> so uh, listen, I don't know how to rate this. A- at the time, there was very little available for fan- fantasy movies. Certainly of course, things that leaned in on these these tropes that I was playing in this game that I loved. So yeah. for me, it's a you know, ch- it's one childish uh, grin. As I happily, happily recall where I was when this movie came out. I think with all of these movies, for the person who chose it, it needs to be a nostalgia score. Yeah, yeah. So, But yeah. for E.T., E.T. will always be a 10. That's, like, that yes. movie's a That's fucking fair. classic. That's fair. Um, now, Dad's Breakdown. Yes. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Jack was present for the boobs. Um, and, and that's Aub- fine. That's and, your kid, you know? Yeah, and Aubrey and I both said the same thing. It's a PG movie and in the 80s, and boobs showed up. And I said, boobs never killed anybody. And right. I don't like, I, I got to be honest with you, I think we should have a, uh, I definitely identify more with the European view. Violence is something that they take a hard line on showing children. Nudity sure. is something that is, you know, really... Much more commonplace. We've been we we've talked about it on this podcast, sure, and sure. when we get to Infinity War, well, to mention it again that you know the Avengers are chopping up all those faceless aliens, and it's okay because they're faceless. I'm like, well, they're still living things. Yep. So this movie should have an R rating, but it's PG-13 because they don't have faces. Who gives a shit? Sure. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. this movie would even even if. Somehow they were able to get the nudity by in a PG thirteen. Yep. Go the James Cameron Titanic route. It's never shown in a sexual way. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. They could still hold the PG thirteen because most of the deaths in this movie are those faceless jars. Sure, sure. Jones. You know? Jones. Who gives a shit? <laughs> How dare you? How but you know fucking what I mean? dare like, you? Like they're all faceless. So the MPAA would be like, well, they're faceless, so it's okay. It's it's Suicide Squad. Sure. Yeah. Well, if they All transform into people, aliens, they and were get people. mowed down. Okay, yeah. but they were people at one point. This, yeah. That movie should have been art. Yeah, that's fair. That movie that's fair. shouldn't have been made, but now without I it, s- we wouldn't have gotten the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. So oh, yeah, that's right. Now I say this knowing that uh, you know I tried watching this with Jack, and he just wasn't interested. So mm-hmm. for me, knowing what's knowing the content, uh, yeah. it's fine. But you may again. Children who are used to the entertainment we have today, they just may not be interested in it. That's certainly sure. Not the case. Yeah, sure, sure. Now, Casey, we are now two thirds of the way through this season of our Patreon movie milestones. You've we picked are. two movies so far. You're about I to am. tell us what your third pick is this season. I am. And let me well, guess: was it directed by Steven Spielberg? It was. Of course, it was. Maybe I'll be other, Oh fuck! It's maybe the other reason that I want to do a second season of this, so I'm not just the, the Steven Spielberg boy. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Please. Oh, we're gonna do a little father-son road trip movie where uh, they try and stop Adolf Hitler from destroying the world. That's right. We're watching Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Fuck yes, that is fucking brilliant. Oh, I am one hundred percent down for that. See my shirt? Club Obi-Wan, bar and nightclub, perfect. Now, that's from uh, Temple of Doom, which we would not be doing because that is the second worst Indiana Jones movie. 
Oh my god, I cannot wait to watch this. <laughs> uh, it's available on Paramount Plus uh, for anyone in the Patreon world. That's where we'll live from now on. Patreon or uh, Paramount's going to suck up all their their own IP, which they can. It's perfectly their want. Just you know, Paramount, fix your fucking platform. It is the most obnoxious platform of all the streaming sites. Uh, Get well, your shit together. You know, I am still a physical media person and I own the Oh, I have this on Blu-ray too. I yeah. have the Blu-ray collection of the good the trilogy. Jo- yes, the trilogy, the ones yeah. worth watching. Yes. I'm sorry. Is there a fourth one? Uh, not in my world there isn't. Well, there's going to be a fifth one. Hmm. Oh, fuck. Well, hey, which uh hey, do you know who's directing it? Is it JJ Abrams? No, it's Mangold. Oh. Oh, Which geez. can he salvage it? Maybe. I maybe. Hmm. Fuck. All right. Well, hey, why don't we uh, watch a trailer? Indy, your father. They have them. Dad found out more than he was looking for. Junior, don't call me that, please. I want you to find the Grail. I heard this bedtime story before. Eternal life, Dr. Jones. The gift of youth to whoever drinks from the grail. After you, Junior. This is intolerable! No ticket. Call this archaeology? <laughs> are you crazy? Don't go between them! Go between them! Are you crazy? <laughs> Hang on! <laughs> Quick! Under it! You know, sharing your adventures is an interesting experience. <laughs> Fucking love this movie. Uh, this, is my, this, this is my favorite Indiana Jones movie. 100%. I could have chosen any of them. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, if we did, if we did Temple of Doom, <laughs> we'd have a lot to shit on. This is um, my. F- but if we did Raiders, we'd have <laughs> we have a lot of racial stereotypes that are not cool that we need to get through. Uh, not Nazis aside, I, like the whole Mongolian sure, section sure, of the movie sure. is kind of fucked up and like Spielberg and Lucas and like no 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 we're we're doing like the uh like the serials that we grew up with and like and that makes it okay how I, I listen uh you know Raiders in, in my opinion is a perfect movie uh and but having said that the only problem with Raiders is the entire plot of Raiders of the Lost Ark can happen without Indiana Jones there <laughs> well yes but uh when I when Last I, Crusade, he's kind of got to be there for some of this. When I agree with you that this is the best Indiana Jones movie, that is saying not because Raiders is bad, but because The Last Crusade is that much better. Yeah, this is... Yeah. I remember, Jesus, probably like 92 or 3, mm-hmm. the, was it the Landmark or the Palace? One of the two. The Landmark played this. Played all three. Oh, we didn't see all three, and, but I definitely saw at least one of them there. Oh, no, they did all three in one day. Oh, and it was, my I, parents fucking dropped me off. 
and I watched all three, and I was like, fuck yeah, this is great. <laughs> That's how those movies are supposed to be. I mean, they are. They're yeah. supposed to be serials, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, this is such a great pick. This is such a great pick. Yeah, I just want you to keep this in mind for your final pick for the season. Listen, I'm going to pick a movie you, that is I've just as gold. entertaining. I've given you gold. <laughs> uh, now, do you want to take a guess for the 1989 Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Do you want mm. to take a guess at the IMDb score for that movie? I'm going to say this is probably in the eights. Yeah, 8.3. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fa- I, I see why. You see why, I, yeah. I see why. I'm going to I'm gonna it's low. rate it higher. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I. this is not a surprising rating. Yep, I'm with um, you, yeah. Man, this movie's so fucking. Oh, good. so that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be our next episode in our Patreon series. Yes, yes, that is gonna be uh, in two months for you guys, but in a couple weeks for us. That's right. That's right. Wrapping up the season. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so Todd, let's not do once yeah. again. Why don't we don't? They know where we are. Let's, if you're on Patreon, you know it. You if know you're it. catching this uh, three years from now when it drops in the main feed. Uh, it's your own fault. <laughs> yeah, just listen to the one before or after, and you'll you'll figure out where we're at. I will yeah. tell you that music for our episodes comes to us from two places. Our theme song is Take a Chance by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at incompetech.com. Our beer mm-hmm. music is Feather Duster by Shane Ivers. You find his music at silvermansound.com. So that'll do it for the Superpod HeroCast for this week. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. For Casey Ryan, I'm Todd Panic. And I've been your moderator, Danny Ryan. Be heroic. heroic. Yay, great choice, man. Oh, I'm so excited yeah. to watch that. Dun, 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 dun.